bless the Lord, church. How many of you need the Holy Spirit to rain down on you this evening? Amen. And just like it's been raining outside all day, and maybe even looks like the rain has kept some of us away, but the rain of the Spirit is here to fall on those that are present. Amen. So we just ask that the Holy Spirit do that before we go any further. As always, we'll go to the Lord in prayer before we enter into our series. And once again, just ask that the Holy Spirit rain down upon our lives so that we might receive what he has for us tonight. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just uh, are thankful for your power to rain down upon our lives. God, just like in the natural that you've been raining and showering the earth, Father God, with uh, physical raindrops. I pray that the raindrops of your spirit would fall down upon your people as well. I'm thankful, Father God, that your spirit's already in this place, that you've come before us, Lord God, that you've paved the way uh, for blessings, that you've made it possible, Father God, for us to sit at your feet this evening and to receive everything that you have in store for us. So bless your people this evening. I pray that you would bless my mind, bless my mouth. Bless my heart. Bless the words that come forth. Let them be your words, Father God. Bless your people as well. But in all of it, God, we pray that you would be high and lifted up and that you would be glorified in our lives. We give you the praise and the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to continue. I know it's been a couple weeks or so, maybe three weeks ago, that we had started a short series in Psalms chapter 1 entitled, Blessed Are They. Tonight I want to do part two. It's probably going to be the closing, you know, part of the series unless the Holy Spirit uh, leads me to do otherwise. And if he does, we'll just obedient, be obedient to that. But Psalm chapter one, verse one to six, these are the words of the Lord. Blessed are they who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, they meditate both day and night. They shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And in whatever they do, they shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, it goes on in verse four, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, but fall, nor shall sinners stand in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And it's why it behooves us, church, to make sure that we are walking and standing and sitting with God. Amen. Because I don't want to end up like those that are ungodly. I don't want to end up like chaff. I don't want to be blown away by the wind. I want to make sure that I am planted by rivers, by rivers of living water, that I might do exactly what the Word of God says. And before I continue on with this word, blessed, I want you to understand so you have a taste of it. And I'll, I'll, I'll define it again as we go. But when we talk about blessed, David talks about blessed. Even though these are the words of David, these are the words of God. Amen. And the word blessed means favored and fruitful and secure and happy and content. This word blessed in so many diff, it has so many, uh, it has a depth of meaning. So when you hear that, I want you to think about all those words that I said whenever you hear that word blessed, because it goes so far beyond that one word. But in part one, we looked at verse one, church, and the fact that we cannot expect to be blessed 
We cannot expect to be favored and fruitful and secure and happy and content and all those words that I just gave you unless we are first willing to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. We cannot expect to be blessed unless we first set ourselves apart unto God. And what we need to remember what I said last week or a couple weeks ago when it was David said, blessed are they that don't do three things. They don't walk in the counsel or the company of the ungodly. They do not stand in the path of sinners, and they do not sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, what we learned in, in week one of this series is that blessedness begins with what we don't do. And the reality is there are things as sons and daughters of the Most High God that we should not be doing. And the reality is blessedness begins with things that we don't do. Blessedness begins with our willingness to shun evil and all ungodliness in our lives, even the very form of evil. The Bible tells us that we should shun and run away from. And what we always have to be conscious of is the fact that the places that we go and the people that we hang with and the, the words that we speak and the deeds that we do or don't do, they have the power to bless us or they have the power to curse us. They have the power to release or hold back the goodnesses of God and the blessings of God over our lives. The Bible says, blessed are they who do not do certain things, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord instead. And in his law, they meditate both day and night. And what I want us to understand, according to this word of God, is blessedness is a twofold proposition. It doesn't end at verse 1. It goes all the way through, and then he reiterates it again uh, later on in the chapter. But blessedness is a twofold proposition. It doesn't come from just shunning evil alone. It comes from embracing God as well. It doesn't come, blessedness doesn't come just because you walk away from evil. You must embrace God and all that is good and His Word and all things that are godly as well. Blessedness comes from departing from evil, this passage teaches us, and delighting in good and God as well. Because blessedness is a twofold proposition. If you look at the prodigal son... His blessings didn't come simply because he got up from the pig pen. His blessings didn't come just because he walked away from evil. His blessings didn't come just because he left his this way of life behind. What you need to realize and remember is that his blessings came after he embraced his father. His blessings came after he once again embraced the law that was in place in the household that he walked away from. Because blessedness is a twofold proposition. Listen. Listen, if the prodigal son never went back home and embraced his father, he would still not have been blessed. He could have walked away from evil. He could have walked away from the foreigner. He could have walked away from that foreign land. But the word of God teaches us until he embraced his father, until he embraced the law that he once walked away from, it wasn't until then that he was blessed. And we've got to keep that in our mind as well. Just because you don't do something that's wrong doesn't mean you're going to be blessed. You've got to embrace God as well. You've got to embrace His will, His ways. You've got to embrace His word, His presence, His, everything about Him. You've got to embrace as well. When we do that, David and the word of God is teaching us that we will be blessed.
a, a, a godly man, in order to be blessed, must shun evil, but he also must submit himself to the guidance and the greatness of the Word of God. It's what's teaching us in this passage. He must shun evil and embrace the Father as well. The, the reality is we cannot embrace the Father until we leave our mess behind. The prodigal son couldn't embrace his father until he left his mess behind, until he unyoked himself from the foreigner that he was attached to. It's what we have to keep in mind. What I want us to clearly understand, church, is that this, because this is what we're talking about. Blessed are they who delight themselves in the word of the Lord. What we have to understand is that this is what keeps us from the path of the ungodly. This is what keeps us from sitting with scoffers and standing with sinners. This is what keeps us from descending into darkness. This is what keeps us from yoking ourselves to foreigners. It's what keeps us from being unequally yoked in our lives. This is what keeps us from descending into the three degrees of evil that I talked about. Those three things, where you walk, where you stand, and where you sit, they represented three degrees of evil in our life. And this is the only thing that will keep you from going there. This is the only thing that will keep you going in the right direction, church. Remember, David said in Psalm 119.9, how shall a young man keep his ways pure? How shall a young man remain upright before God? How shall a young man keep his life uh, uh, without spot or without wrinkle? How shall a young man keep from descending into these depths of sin that we've talked about? And he answers the question himself and says, By keeping and guarding his ways according to what? The law of the Lord. By guarding his footsteps by the word of God. It's by making this a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It's how you keep from descending into darkness. It's how you keep your ways pure. It's how you are blessed. Because like we learned last week, if you were here during baptism, don't expect to be blessed if your life's unclean. Don't expect to find favor. Don't expect to find fruitfulness. Don't expect to find contentment. Don't, don't, don't expect to find all good things come into your life if your life is unclean. Remember, it's a twofold proposition, and we've got to keep that in mind. But this is, this is what keeps us from the pig pen. This is what keeps us from pain. He doesn't write this to burden us. He doesn't write this to enslave us. He doesn't give us these words to, to drag us down. He gives us these words so that we might have life and life more abundantly. He gives us these words so we can learn how to be blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed, church. I want to be blessed going out and coming in. I want to be blessed when I rise up and when I lay down and every minute along the way. And the only way that I can be blessed is by making this the, the fruit of my life, the Word of God. Blessed are they who don't do certain things, but the thing you must be certain to do is to delight yourself in the law of the Lord, the Bible says. He also goes on in Psalm 17, 40. How many of you know David's all about the Word of God? David's all about the statutes. David's all about the ordinances. David's all about the Word of God being established in his life and our life as well. But in Psalm 17, 40, he says, By the word of your lips, O God, I have kept from the path of sinners. 
By the word of your lips, by the words that God has spoken. How many of you know this is the spoken word of God? In the beginning was God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word was with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. These are the words of God. And David said, by the word of your lips, which is this, I have kept from the paths of the wicked. My steps have held fast to your paths and my feet have not slipped, David said. Because he knew what the key to blessedness was. He was delighting himself in the word of the Lord, church. Blessed are they who don't do certain things, but who delight themselves in the law of the Lord. This is what fortifies the soul. This is what enables us to walk not in the way of the ungodly. This is what enables us to stand not in the path of sinners. This is what enables us and protects us and keeps us from finding ourselves sitting in the seat of scoffers who mock God. I want you to understand and listen to me. If this is not the foundation to your life, you will find yourself on the wrong path. If this is not the foundation of your life and the meat of your life, you will find yourself standing where you shouldn't be standing, sitting where you shouldn't be standing, saying what you shouldn't be saying, thinking what you shouldn't be thinking, doing what you shouldn't be doing. This has to be the meat of your life, the foundation of every footstep you take in your faith. Without it, church. And the sad reality is a lot of us think we can do without it. A lot of us think, well, I heard the pastor on Sunday. I'll make it to Wednesday, hear the pastor again, and something in between will carry me along. Listen, if this does not, uh, if this is not laid out beneath the, the, the steps that we take, we're going to slip and we're going to stumble. David said, as I establish this in my life, my path, I will not slip. My foot does not stumble, church. Listen, without the word of God, we will not walk, stand, or sit in the right places. Without delighting ourselves in the word of the Lord, the Bible tells us that our soul will suffer. And so will our lives. Some of you have been there. I've been there. And some of you uh, are, are able to testify of the fact that when you didn't walk according to the Word of God, that suffering came into your life. And maybe not you, but I guarantee you, you know someone whose life might even be suffering today, right now, because this, because they have not delighted in the law of the Lord, because it has not been established in their lives. And this is how we turn it around. This is how we find blessings in our life according to the word of the Lord, church. The reality is our condition or our state of being, you might say, or our blessedness is determined by asking the following questions. What is the word of God to me? That's one of the easiest ways for you to determine your state of being and your blessedness. What is the Word of God to us? What place does it hold in our lives? What room do we afford the Word of God and the law of God? How much do I trust it? How much do I cling to it? How much do I long for it? How much do I adore it? What is the depth of my desire concerning the Word of the Lord? What affection do I hold for the precious Word of God? And if the answer is little, then you've got little blessedness in your life and probably a, just a, a little bit of God in your life. But we can determine our state of being and our state of blessedness just by answering those questions. Blessed are they who delight in the law of the Lord. And to delight means this. 
the biblical definition that the word that 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 David used here for delight, it means this. And some of you may may be surprised by the the meaning of it. It means to incline to. It means to yield to. It means to bend with and move with. It means to take great pleasure in. It means to it means to find comfort in. To delight in the law of the Lord means to be exceedingly fond of the law of the Lord. And it also means, in the Greek and the Hebrew, it means to come under the domain and authority of. So I want you to clearly understand what God is saying and David is saying when he says, Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord. He's not talking about, Blessed are those who are giddy over the law of the Lord. Or happy over the that's not what he's talking about when David said blessed are they who delight in the law of the Lord he is saying blessed are those prosperous are those favored are those fruitful are those content are those who incline themselves to the word of the Lord who bend according to the word of the Lord who yield themselves to the word of the Lord who take great pleasure in the word of the Lord who are fond of it and who come under the domain, dominion, and authority of the Word of God. That's who's blessed, and that's what delight means. So until you understand the definition of delight, you might not know. You might have, we all might think, oh yeah, I delight myself in the, in the law of the Lord and the Word of God. But listen, if I'm not inclined to, 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 to bend with it, if, if I'm not yielded to it, if I'm not greatly fond of it, and if I'm not under its domain, guess what? I can't be blessed, and I don't delight myself in the Word of the Lord. Blessed are they who incline and give themselves to the word of the Lord. Please understand this. Without law. He said law and he used that word for reason. Because without law, a society will fall into complete chaos. Without law, church, a society and a people will fall into complete corruption. You can see it anywhere across this world. Without a just government being established in a land, its society will descend into darkness and debauchery. The reality is without law, a land can't stand, a land can't survive, and a land certainly cannot be blessed. And the same goes for our soul as well. Without the law of the Lord established in our lives, we're going to descend into sin. Without the law of the Lord being established in our lives, we will walk in the wrong places. We will stand in the wrong places. We will sit in the wrong places. We will do the wrong things, say the wrong things, and and just be the wrong individual. We have to understand what the Word of God is saying in this passage of Scripture, church. Without, without these things, we shall not be blessed. It's what happens with our soul. Without the government of God being established in our lives, just like a society, just like a nation, we will descend into darkness and we'll experience not God's blessings, but we'll experience His reproof. We'll experience His rebuke. We'll experience pain and suffering. Whatever it takes to get us back to that place that we long to be. We've got whatever. Listen, God will do whatever he has to do to get you back to embracing him. 
God will let you descend to whatever level like he did the prodigal son, all in order to bring you back to a place of embracing the father. And embracing the law that the Father has. This is what David is talking about. Blessed are they who who delight themselves in the law of the Lord, church. Listen, the affection we have for the word of the Lord, the affection we should have concerning the word of the Lord is to delight in it. That's That's really what should define us as Christians. It's really what should define us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's what should define us who say, I'm born again, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is what should define us as Christians. And it is the fact that we delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. If we claim to be a Christian, we should be able to say that, church. The godly and the righteous delight themselves in the law of the Lord, and they are blessed because of it. They delight themselves in the law of the Lord, and they are favored because of it, and they are fruitful because of it. They are content because of it, and happy because of it, and they are lacking in no such ways because they have delighted themselves in the law of the Lord. The godly are fond of it. The godly yield to it. The godly bend with it no matter what way it wants them to go. I want you to understand that's what it means. They find comfort in it and they come under their domain. And even though it's law, here's what I want you to catch. Oh, somebody, well, that's law. That's Old Testament law. I've got nothing. I don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm living in grace. And that's true. But here's what I want you to understand. Even though it is law, even though Jesus himself called this a burden, And even though Jesus himself called this a yoke, because remember, Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. He said, take what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because my burden is easy and my load is light. So the reality is, even though this is law... Even though Jesus himself called this a burden, and even though he called it a yoke that we are to carry, because it is the law of God, and because it is good and holy and just, because it is the power of God unto salvation, because it has the power to transform a mind and transform a soul and transform a mouth and transform a marriage and transform a son or daughter or transform your finances or anything about your life, church, because it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, the godly man consents to it just the same. Even though it's a law, The godly man yields to it. The godly man inclines to it. The godly man bends with it no matter what shape it wants him to bend. The godly man finds comfort in it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The godly man is exceedingly fond of the law, even though it's a law. Because he knows that when he yields to it and it becomes his dominion, And as the authority of his life, he will be blessed. And the reality is so often we kick against the law and we goad against the law and we give against the law because it's not comfortable, because it's a burden or a yoke. And and we cast it aside and we wonder why we struggle. Because we're not letting ourselves learn from him. 
We're not letting Him teach us as we yoke ourselves to the Word of God, the power of God unto salvation, the very thing that can give us the freedom that we're looking for. This is how we are blessed, church. By yoking ourselves to the Word of God. Listen, without the Word of God in our lives, we cannot be blessed. Blessedness is the consequence of delighting oneself in the Word of the Lord. Understand, there's an opposite to everything. Blessings and curses. Blessedness is the consequence of delighting yourself in the law of the Lord. Pain and suffering and hurt and anguish are the consequences of doing the opposite. Pain and suffering and hurt and sorrow and all of those other things are the consequences of walking in our own ways, doing what's right in our own eyes, and not yoking ourselves to the Word of God. But God is saying, if you would yoke yourself to me, if you would yoke yourself to my Word... You will be blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed, church. So it should behoove us to make sure this becomes our very meat. You, blessed, blessedness is the consequences of those who yield to it, bend with it, incline to it, and come under its authority. Without inclining, without yielding, without bending, we can't be blessed. Without ex- being exceedingly fond of the Word of God or coming under its domain, we cannot be blessed. The first thing I had to ask myself as, as I was going through this was the questions that I asked. How fond am I of this? How exceedingly fond am, am I of this? How inclined am I to this? How yielded am I to this, God? How devoted am I to this? How, how, how do I really come under its dominion and authority in my life? Or do I kick against it, God? Because if I want to be blessed, the Holy Spirit saying, this is what I must do. This is what I must do is yield to it. Listen, when God's words are unwelcome in my ears, you know how we are sometimes as kids and somebody's saying something, la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. You know, the reality is sometimes we do that with God. La, 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 God. If I don't hear him, then I'm not accountable, we think sometimes. But the reality is when God's words are unwelcome in our ears, when they are an intrusion to my personal pleasures, when they, church, infringe on my fleshly freedoms and feelings that I have, when I don't incline myself to them, when I don't yield myself to them, when I am not fond of them, church, when I don't come under their domain, it's very clear that I'm still living according to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It makes it very clear to those around me that I am doing what is right in my own eyes instead of in the eyes of God. It demonstrates that I am still immature. It demonstrates that I have still not come out from among them and separated myself unto God so I can be blessed. Listen, the reason that God doesn't, God won't bless sin because we'd never learn anything. And the blood of his, his son Jesus Christ and the great sacrifice that he made would have been worthless and pointless. The reality is there's some things that we have to learn in order to be blessed, church. But if I, if I don't give heed, if I don't incline myself to the word of God as difficult as it may be for me to hear or conform to or bend with, 
If I want to be blessed, I've got to yield myself to it, church. And the sad reality is we find individuals, even in the house of God, that live that way all the time. They think they can live in revolt to God's word and in opposition to God's word and still be blessed. I've been there at a point in my life. I've been there. Well, if people don't see me, or if I just come to church, or if I just sing, if I just whatever, I can be blessed. But no, that's not what the Word tells us, and it's not what the Word is teaching us. It can't happen until we come out from among them and offer ourselves to God. Listen, Paul reminded the Galatians in chapter 6, verse 7, he said, Do not be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man will reap what he sows, the Bible says. And the reality is so many of us at some times in our life we walk around deceived. And we think God's going to overlook this and think God will overlook that. I've got away with it for this long and I've got away with it for that long. Pastor hasn't found out and that person hasn't found out. So I can continue on doing this thing. But God said... Do not be deceived. I will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And you all know that when we sow to the flesh, from the flesh we'll reap corruption. But when we sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit we shall reap life. We shall reap blessedness. The Bible teaches us, church. But listen, if the Word of God is music to my ears... If the word of God is the very meat and substance of my meal, if the word of God is like honey on my lips, like David said, if it's like sweetness to my soul, like David said, then I will be blessed. If I cling to the word of God, then I will be blessed. If I incline myself to the Word of God, then I will be blessed. If I act like I cannot live without it, do without it, move without it, breathe without it, operate without it, then I will be blessed. When I make it the meat of my meal and the bread of my plate, when I make it the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path, when it is like the honey of the honeycomb, then I will be blessed. But the reality is, listen to me, the Word of God, like the cross sometimes, has become a byproduct in a Christian's life. It becomes a decoration on a coffee table or a dust collector on a shelf. Shame on us, sometimes we don't even take it to the house of God because Pastor Jeff put up a PowerPoint. This is what we've descended to, church, because we don't know what it means to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. Listen, our, our, the delight that we have in the Word of God is a direct reflection of the delight we have in God Himself. And we must learn that, church. Here's what I want to move on with the question is how do i delight myself in god's word how do i make it my meat how do i make it my sustenance how do i david said by meditating on it both day and night that's how it becomes your meat that's how it becomes your sustenance that's how it becomes the very uh, the, the very 
nutrition that you need is by meditating on it both day and night. Verse 2 tells us that in order to be blessed, I must make his testimonies my meditation. That I must make his word my thoughts. Day and night, the Bible says. I must meditate on them both day and night. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things below. Not on the things of this earth, not on its pleasures, not on its treasures. God made it very clear what our mind is supposed to be set on. It's supposed to be set on things above. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are of good repute. You understand where I'm going? Let your mind dwell on these things, the Bible says. But I'm telling you, I'm just as guilty. My mind will wander all across this earth. My mind will wander all the way into Hollywood and all the way over here and all the way over there. And God is saying, if you want to be blessed, Jeff, you got to get that mind on things above. You got to get your mind. Listen, I know we all got to work. I know we got I know there's things we've got to focus on. But this isn't what it's teaching. What it's teaching us is what runs through my mind second after second, moment after moment, every second, every moment of the day. Is it God or is it this world? Is it His Word or is it this world? Is it the things that are goodly and godly or is it, uh, is it on things that are, that are evil, wicked and passing away? Is it on things eternal or is it on things that are destined for destruction? Listen to me. Anything ungodly is destined for destruction. Anything is destined for destruction. And yet our mind and our heart is so wrapped around those things from time to time. And I'm included. But God is trying to teach us if you want to be blessed, you've got to meditate on these things both day and night. They've got to occupy your thoughts. They've got to occupy your mind. They've got to occupy your heart all throughout the day, the Bible is saying. The truth is, heaven and God and all things godly should always be on our mind. They should run over and over and over and over and over and over in our hearts and our minds and in our thoughts, both day and night and all throughout the day. Listen, doctors will tell us, veterinarians will tell us that the only way to really taste the flavor of our food, the only way to really digest it properly and to release it's all of the nutrients into our body is to chew it well is to chew it over and over. Doctors will tell you to get all of the nutrients out of every bite. You should chew it 30 times. Most of us are choo-choo-gulp, choo-choo-gulp. That's the way we are spiritually too, choo-choo-gulp. And then we go on our way. Sing, sing, gulp, leave, clap, clap, gulp, leave. And we don't meditate on it. We don't allow it to go over and over and over and over on our minds. Chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. So all the benefit that's hiding inside, all the nutrients that are hiding inside, all the power that's hiding inside and the healing that's hiding inside and the hope that's hiding inside can be released into our lives. The reason so many are hopeless and the reason so many are hurting and the reason so many are depressed and the reason so many are lost and filled with doubt and fear even in the house of God is because they are not meditating on the very word of God they're not allowing they're not chewing on it so everything that the word has for them can be released into their life listen if you're suffering depression chew the word of God if you're suffering sickness chew the word of God 
If you're going through a battle and a hard time and difficulty and don't know what to do, chew the Word of God. Meditate on it, church. Listen, turn it over and over in your mind. This is what meditation is all about. We've got to chew it well. We've got to chew on it, church. Listen, to meditate on the Word of God means to turn the Word over and over in my mind to release its treasure and to release its nutrients into my soul. Listen, like a cow chews its cud, we are to chew the Word of God. This is what David is referring to when he talks about meditating on it day and night. He was referring to what a cow does when it chews its cud. A cow will, you know, a cow will chew the grass. He'll chew it, chew it, swallow it, and regurgitate it. I know it sounds gross to some of us, but he'll do it over and over again. Go to a patch of grass, chew it up. Go to church, listen to the pastor, chew it up. Walk out the door, chew on it, chew on it, swallow it. When they get home, spit it back up. Chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. God, I know you got something else hiding in there. God, I know you got another promise in there. I know you got some other truth in there. I know you got another revelation in there. So I spit it back up and I chew it and I chew it and I chew it and I swallow it and I chew it. And the cow does this until the grass that he originally chewed is nothing more than milk where all of the nutrients are released into its body, church. And we've got to do the same exact thing with the Word of God. We've got to chew it and chew it and chew it over and over. But sadly, here's what happens. We come to the house of God. We hear the Word of God. And instead of chewing the Word of God, we chew up the music and we chew up the pastor and we chew up the staff and we chew up the guy that's sitting in my seat and we chew up the guy that's parking in my parking spot. We chew up the wrong stuff. And we wonder why we've got spiritual indigestion and cannot be blessed. Because we're not chewing on the Word of God. The only thing that we should care about when we come into the house of God is chewing on this. Until everything that it has for me today, God, has made its way into my soul. Listen, every time we walk in the door, God's got a meal for us. He's got a truth for you and a healing for you and a promise for you and a release for you and a victory for you. But the only way it's going to come into our lives is if we learn how to meditate on the Word of God and let everything that He has for you, ordained for you, and promised for you be released. I think God, if He were like us, He'd pulling out His hair. He'd be pulling out his hair thinking, I've got this blessing for them. I've got this truth for them. I've got this revelation for them. But they're chewing on the wrong thing. If they would just take what I gave them today and meditate on it and put everything else aside. Do you know why God said honor the Sabbath and keep it holy? So the only thing that you could chew on was him. That's why he said that. But we chew on football, and I'm guilty. We chew on golf. We chew on Golden Corral. We chew on our next door neighbor, like I said. We chew on, the, we chew on everything except what God has laid out on his banqueting table when we walk into his house. That's why we're supposed to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, because he's got a meal and power that he wants to be released in our life that day. 
Look, I'm not saying you're all like that. I'm speaking about the church and Christianity in general. And if it speaks to us, then it speaks to us. We've got to let it find a place. Listen, we've got to learn to meditate on the Word of God and chew it like a cow. The reality is the intimacy of our relationship with God is built solely upon our meditation on Him and on His Word. And like I said earlier, our affection for Him is equal to the delight that we have for His Word. If we have no affection for the Word of God, we have no affection for God. If we have no heart for the Word of God, we have no heart for God. If we have no desire for the Word of God, we have no desire for God, church. If we have no room for the Word of God in our life, we've got no room for God. Because God is the Word, like I shared with you before. If I have no time for the Word of God, I have no time for God. If I have no affection for the Word of God, I have no affection for God. You understand what I'm saying? If I don't incline to His Word, I don't incline to God. If I don't have a fondness for His Word, I don't have a fondness for God. If I don't come under the dominion of His Word, I don't come under the dominion of God. If I rebel against His authority, I rebel against Him. And yet we call ourselves blessed. We do these things all the time and we wonder why we're not blessed. It's Honestly, David is saying it's because you've not learned three simple things. You've not learned these two simple things. Blessed are they that don't do this, but do do this. And make this the meditation of their heart. I'm going to start bringing this, winding this down, because here's what I want us to see, church. The Bible tells us that those who delight themselves in the law of the Lord shall be blessed. Verse 3 says, and they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Trees that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever they do, they shall prosper. These are the effects of the meditation that I'm talking about, church. These are the effects of delighting oneself in the Word of God. These are the effects of taking the Word of God and turning it over and over and over again in your life, church. We shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. We shall be full of sap. We shall be full of power. We shall be full of the, the blood and the life force that we need. And we shall be able to produce. It's what the Word of God is saying. The reality is the number one reason churches are dying, the number one reason marriages are dying, the number one reason that our school system is dying and societies die and all those things that are of value are dying is because those things are no longer delighting. And remember the definition of delight. They are no longer delighting in the Word of God. You know why our school system is failing? Because the school system no longer inclines itself to the Word of God. Our school systems are failing because they no longer come under the domain and the authority and the dominion of God. Why do societies fail? Because they don't incline. They don't delight themselves in the Word of God. You know why most marriages fail? It's because somewhere in the marriage they're not inclined to the Word of God. They've not allowed that union to come under the authority and the dominion and domain of the Word of God and the power of God and the Spirit of God in their life. It's why society, man, and everything about us dies and fails because we are not inclined and delighting ourselves in the Word of God. We need to learn what it means to be blessed. 
We need to allow ourselves to become full of the sap and the blood and the power of life, church, in our lives. It's the number one reason. Listen, David said that the effects of delighting and meditating on the Word of God is to be planted like a tree beside the rivers of living water, church. And not just any tree, as I begin to wind this down, but a tree of life. A tree that brings forth fruit in its season. Here's what I want you to see. He's talking about a tree that produces what it's supposed to produce when it's supposed to produce it. A tree that produces what and when it's supposed to produce. He's talking about a tree that is able to produce love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and meekness and gentleness and self-control. He's talking about a tree that is able to bring forth love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things when it's supposed to. When you're in the middle of a trial, you're still going to bring forth fruit. When you're in the middle of a storm, you're still going to bring forth fruit. When someone's agitating, rubbing you, saying all sorts of wrong things and negative things against you, the Bible says that if you delight yourself in the Lord and you meditate on His Word day and night, you're going to produce fruit in the middle of a fiery furnace, and you're going to produce it for God. You're going to produce what you're supposed to produce when you're supposed to produce it. And there will be no, there'll be no doubt about who you are. Because the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Amen? And we're supposed to produce certain things at certain times, and it's what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. The results of those who delight are not only to bear fruit, but also whose leaf will not wither or fade, the Bible says. Will not wither, will not fade. No matter what weather you find yourself in, guess what? You'll be a spiritual evergreen. When the heat turns up, you won't fade. When the sun gets hot, you won't fade. When this happens in your life, you won't fade. You won't wither. You won't lose your faith. You won't give up. You won't waver. You'll be strong. You'll be marching. You'll continue to go on. But the only way it's going to happen is if you have learned what it means to be blessed. The only way it'll happen is if you delight yourself in the law of the Lord and meditate on it both day and night. And when you do, guess what? The longer you spend, the more time you spend in this, the deeper your roots go. The more time you spend in this, the bigger your branches get. The more time you spend in this, the more blossoms begin to appear on your tree. The more you stand on this, the more fruit you bear and the greener you stay in any season you find yourself in. This is what God wants us to be. He wants His sons and daughters to be trees that are planted by rivers of living water so that when someone walks by you when you got bad news you're still green and you still got fruit on your branches when you're bankrupt and you got no money in your account and someone's looking at you you're still green and still full of blossoms because you're planted by rivers of living water when the winds begin to blow you bend this way and you bend that way but you're not going to break because you're planted in the the rivers of living water. Amen. This is what God is looking for, church, in His people. Blessed are they who do not do these certain things, but who delight themselves in the law and the word of the Lord. And listen, the last, the last um, 
The last blessing that's mentioned in verse chapter 3 is that whatever they do, in accordance to the word of God, they will prosper. Whatever they do, whatever they set their hand to do, according, what it's saying here, according to the word of the Lord. Because again, you're rooted in this. But whatever you do, according to the word of the Lord, you'll be blessed. When you meditate on God's word, when it becomes the meat of your meal, whatever job you have, when you do it according to the word of the Lord, you're going to prosper in your marriage, in your money, in your finances, in your family, in a ministry that you might have. In any of these areas, when you and I do them according to the word of the Lord, guess what? We're promised to prosper. It's part of this blessedness that God is talking about. And he goes on as I close right here. He goes on and he reminds us once again. He says in verse 4, but the ungodly are not so. Because he, it, it's important to David and it's important to God that we don't forget, that, there, that, that we always remember that there is a difference between the godly and the ungodly. And the definition, here's what he defines as I close this out. He says the godly aren't so. They're the complete opposite of the righteous. They're not planted by a river. They're not all of these things that he tells us that we are. But you know what he calls them? He calls them chaff. They're empty shells that contain no power, contain no life, contain no seed. And they're blown away. They're not rooted. They have no power in them. They can't multiply. They can't produce. They can't bring forth fruit. They cannot be a representation of God or the power of God. They're void and empty. You know what a shell is. You know what a hull is. You know what chaff is. It's when you take that grain, you take that wheat, you break it open, you take out what's valuable, and all you got left is a hull. And God is saying the ungodly are just like that. They're empty. There's nothing inside of them. And here's what I want you to know, that when the farmer weighed his wheat, he never waited until he took out the chaff. He blew it away because the reality is it didn't matter how much chaff he had. It didn't matter how many baskets of chaff he had or bushels of, of chaff he had. It doesn't matter how many pews in the house of God or seats are filled up with chaff. According to the word of God, they have no value. The farmer always removed the chaff. So all that he had left was a value. And this is what God presents us tonight. Do you want to be the seed that's full of life and power? Or do you want to be the chaff? Do you want to be blessed or do you want to be cursed? Do you want the goodness of God to come forth in your life? Or do you want it to be withheld? If you want the goodness of God, if you want to be blessed, we know what we need to do, church. We need to yield ourselves to God. We need to not do certain things and we need to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord and meditate it on day and night. Who's ready to delight themselves in the Lord? Amen. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Because this is, this is the commitment that you're making to God. God, you've spoke to me. God, you've revealed some things to me. And I pray that that's your desire. God, I want to delight myself in the law of the Lord. God, from this day forward, I'm going to incline myself to it, yield myself to it. I'm going to dedicate myself to it, bend with it. Whatever you want to do with me, God, this is what I want. And I'm going to come under your authority today. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word, the truth of your word, the revelation of your word. And I'm thankful, Father God, that you have taught us this evening how to be blessed. You've taught us this evening, Lord God, how to be favored, how to be fruitful, and 
how to be content and how to be prosperous and how to be happy and how to lack no good thing, how to be blessed. Father God, you've taught us that. You've taught us that in order to be blessed, we've got to stay away from certain things. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would teach us to do that. God, if there's anyone here this evening that finds themselves walking, standing, or sitting in the wrong place, God, that you would lift them out. God, just like you moved upon the heart of the prodigal son who found himself sitting in the wrong place, that you would move upon the heart of any individual that knows they need to embrace you tonight. And so, God, I pray that you would move upon them and that they would not just stop what they're doing, but that they would have the faith and the courage to embrace you as well. For the rest of us, Father God, help us to embrace your word. Help us to incline ourselves to it and yield ourselves to it and come under its authority and domain in our life. Even though it's a law, even though it's burden, even though it's called a yoke, it's containing freedom, Father God. And that's what I pray for all of us this evening. Teach us how to be blessed. Teach us how to walk in the way of the godly and the righteous and the upright and the just and to stay away from those things that we should stay away from, God. Bless us this evening, I pray. As we bless you, as we meditate on your word, delight in the word, chew it over and over and over, and let it be part of our thought process each and every moment of each and every day. Take this word and bless it. Let it find a place in the soil of our soul that it will come forth and bear fruit in season, that it would be fruit that lasts, Father God, and keep us green for Jesus Christ. I pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord one more time, church, before we go? Amen. If you have a special need, be happy to tarry with you and pray with you. Otherwise, you know what it takes to go and be blessed. Amen.